Education of our children doesn't begin and end at academia. There is a spiritual responsibility on each parent and teacher to nurture and train a young soul spiritually. This is called Chinuch. Join Rabbi G every Monday at 2 p.m. as he explores education and Chinuch for parents and teachers. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. We are back, as we do every Monday, between 2 to 3, where we discuss education. How can we be better people? How can we make the world a better place? How can we influence people around us? And how can we be influenced, obviously, in the right way? Um, a lot happening today in the show and a lot to discuss. A very special guest I have here in studio for today. And... I think maybe some of you are going to be a bit confused. Is this, we're listening to the right show? Is this really an education show? But yes, it is. Because in studio with me, I have Dr. Din Gorson, who's one of the leading ENTs here in Johannesburg. And he's laughing at me now, but that's just because he's humble, not because I'm wrong. And we're going to be discussing quite a lot about uh, the effect and the connection between our ENT system and between educational world, and just see how that is connected. But no, I, you're not on the health program, and you're not on any other program. We're actually on Chai Chinuch. Right before we start, there is something I do have to share with you, and it's something that just struck me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know, but maybe that's the society we live in. Yesterday, my boys were invited to a birthday party. And it was very important for them to go, and it was important for me that they go because it was a, it's just the right thing to do, and the nice thing to do that if your friend invites you for a birthday party, you go. It just we had one of those days, and I'm not going to go into details, but it just didn't work. And no matter how much we tried, how much we wanted, we couldn't make it to the birthday party. So I felt really bad for this young boy, second grader, that his friends didn't come for the, to the birthday party. So I sent him. His father a message saying, I really feel bad that my kids couldn't make it. We really wanted to make it. We're going to send the present. We care. It's just that there was something unfortunate. And the father sent back, you know, it's very important. Thank you so much for the message. Here's my son's number. Please, if your kids can send him a message directly. And I was speechless. It blew my mind that a second grader from a normal family, normal school, standard in every level and the father's just sending me a message and he had whatsapp and i don't know is it just me or is that the society we live in i'd love to hear your thoughts about it three four five one nine is the sms line oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine maybe i'm just too old for this this generation i don't know but i just felt like a second grader has his own phone his own social media i couldn't connect to it please Tell me what you think about it, and is that the reality that we're living in? Okay, I just got that off my chest, and now we can get on to the main topic of today. So, uh, as I said before, Dr. Dean Gerson is an ENT here in Johannesburg, and what I want to discuss today, and what we need to discuss today, is about the connection between our physical condition of our ears, our hearing processing, our screening, anything that we need to know, and its relevance for education. Uh, we know that um, big assessments, I know 
in Israel, you cannot get an approval from the government for help for any child on the spectrum, even if you want to send for ADHD uh, remedial help and you want the government to pay for it, you have to go through ear screening first. Here today, we're going to hear why. So let's go straight to it. Good afternoon, Dr. Dean Gerson. Thank you so much for being with us. Good afternoon, Reva. Thank you very much for having me on the show. My pleasure, our pleasure, and everybody's, all the listeners' pleasures. And I'm sure if, and just before we even start, because you're well known in the community and this is a very big topic, I'm going to offer right now. If anybody has any question about the ENT system regarding education or anything, 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is the WhatsApp line from anywhere in the world. I want to go straight into the topic. One of the things that we know that should happen or does happen is screening, ear screening in the schools. What are they looking for? What are they screening? When do we do the screening? And what is what should a parent do if he feels like his child did not go through the screening? Okay, so just I can't stress how important enough it is to do uh, screening in children. They usually do it in uh, most schools once a year, usually from the first year of nursery school. So that's usually from ages of three until the ages of uh, six or seven years old. Wow. So when you're saying once a year, you're basically saying this is something dynamic. And even if you went through screening and everything was okay, yes. it doesn't mean anything for next year. Yes, every every year it should be done. Every okay, year it should be done. Easy. Okay. So just to stress the importance, I had a child who um, unfortunately stayed back a year because they thought she had learning and remedial problems. And I'm not sure why, if it was the parents' fault or the teacher's fault, I don't know um, the whole story, but she missed her ear, screen, ear screening and she was tested later on. She got a set of grommets, which is what she was needed, and she went back to being a, a normal kid and unfortunately she stayed back an entire grade because they thought she had uh, remedial problems and the only problem was her ears, something was very treatable. So it is something that's very important, shouldn't be dismissed by parents or teachers because it really can um, be a, a quick fix or solvable problem. So what, what, like, what did she have? What are we looking for in these screenings? Okay, so why do they, why do they screen children? So children are born with, um, it, I hope everyone's heard of something called the eustachian tube. If they haven't, I'll explain. A eustachian tube they is... They can't answer, so go ahead and a, explain. Or a eustachian <laughs> tube is a tube that joins the ear to the back of the nose or the back of the throat in a place called the nasopharynx. So what is the purpose of the eustachian tube? The eustachian tube equalizes pressure between the middle ear and um, the nose or the throat. So I'm sure all of you have felt when you're um, on an airplane and you're going up or going down and they changes in pressure, you'll feel your ears pop or click. Or when you block your nose and, and breathe out, you'll feel your ears pop or click, and that's called equalizing. And that is so that the air pressure on the one side of your eardrum, so the outside, is the same as on the inside. So now in children, the eustachian tube anatomically is very short and horizontal and often dysfunctional. What does that mean? That means that the normal fluid that's made in the middle ear, what doesn't drain properly into the back of the in the back of the nose or the throat. So what happens when the eustachian tube is dysfunctional and it's short and horizontal? Children get fluid in their ears and the so all children will have fluid in their ears periodically. What is the problem with having fluid in the ears? The first thing and probably the most important thing is hearing loss. Why does fluid in the ears cause hearing loss? The eardrum is meant to vibrate. When the eardrum vibrates from sound, it transfers it to the bones in the ear, which is then uh, sent to the cochlea and to the auditory nerve. And if there's fluid in the middle ear, that eardrum can't vibrate properly. 
So it causes something called a conductive hearing loss. That eardrum doesn't vibrate properly. I'm embarrassed to say what's crossing my mind because I always thought it's just simple. Like if you cover your ears, you don't hear so well. So if you have fluid, then it's blocking the. That's exactly what I'm saying. No, but, that, but you're saying it's stopping the vibration and things. And yeah, so it's stopping the it's stopping the eardrum vibrating properly, and it's stopping the particle the sound waves from um, getting properly to the to the cochlea. Okay, okay. so that's the number uh, one problem. Okay, so the number one challenge is that the fluid that is, if there's too much fluid... Well, if there's, the fluid isn't draining, yeah. If there's fluid stuck in that middle ear... Then it will stop from the hearing and the child won't hear properly? The child won't hear properly. They have something called a conductive hearing loss. Okay, so before we... Uh, I actually want to elaborate a bit about that as well, but Craig is mentioning, and he's right, that we do have to take a very short ad break, and we will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 We are back in the middle of a very interesting conversation with Dr. Dean Gerson, who's a leading ENT, and we're discussing the screening and the importance and what we're looking for when we have ear screenings for kids in schools. Before we continue on, any question, any comment, anything you want to ask or add, 34519 is the SMS line, 061-895-1019 is the WhatsApp line. Okay, so Dr. Din Gerson, right before the break, we spoke about uh, a few things that we're looking for in the screening, and the first thing that you mentioned was the fact that when the fluid in the ear is not draining properly, it blocks us from hearing. Yes, so so children okay. can't hear properly when there's fluid in the ears. It's something called a conductive hearing loss, and something that is easily reversed. I'll talk about um, that just now, but the other pro- second problem of having fluid in the ears is that it predisposes the children to getting ear infections or recurrent ear infections. Why? That fluid in the ears is uh, like a jacuzzi for bugs. Um, they sense. love it. It's, a, it's very easy for them to breed in it. And any time that the child will get uh, some uh, infection in their throat or their nose, will very commonly go to their ears. So they'll very commonly get recurrent ear infections because of that fluid in the ears. The third problem and mm-hmm. is which one often parents bring to us is that it's painful. Imagine having the fluid in your ears. You have it's like having your head underwater in a, a bowl over your fish bowl over your head, and um, the eardrum is sometimes on the verge of bursting, and okay. you feel this pressure in your ears. And the parents will bring the kids to you because they're screaming at night, especially when lying down, and they're not sleeping properly because it's very uncomfortable. Okay. So, so, and, and a child that's not sleeping properly and in pain it's also is, becomes very dysfunctional. Yeah, for sure. So it's very important before some parents, um, before they try to sleep train their child or see if there's um, any other problem with the child, it's important also to check their ears to make sure that there's no fluid in their ears because this can affect their sleep. Right, which I think one of the most important things for us to realize as parents is that actually when a child doesn't hear well, it's frustrating, like un- in unbelievable. He, we feel like he's phasing out. Um, he gets anxious, and there's a lot of side effects. We got not only the pain and the, obviously the not sleeping, which also creates when we don't sleep, we're uh, not such you're friendly not people. Yeah, you're not functional. Yeah. Completely, and and. So there's so much that when we look at a child in class and we say the teacher will come and say, well, this child is very anxious and very impulsive. And But, uh, yes, if the, you don't hear, then you're anxious. And if you don't know what's going on, you're, then you're dreaming. And also the the problem is that the children often don't know that they're not hearing. The teachers are talking to them, parents are talking to them, and then they get shouted at for not listening. 
And um, you can imagine being a child, you don't know why you're being shouted at for what. You're not. You're actually not hearing, but they think you're not listening. Very frustrating for the child and for the for the parent. Also, can lead to behavioural problems because you know there's um, parents don't know what's going on, the teachers don't know what's going on. And they f- sometimes, yeah, you could feel ignored, etc. Are there times in the year that are more important to do the screening, or times that I don't know, season changing? So, so not for everyone. In general, it's fine to do the screening any any time in the year. Um, some children will be predisposed to having more fluid in their ears around winter time or spring time if they're allergic children or if they got colds and flu. So, I guess you could do it in a time when there's a uh, less illness so maybe maybe um summertime or autumn but uh, um i don't think that there are any um standard guidelines regarding that it's just important that they do get screened um every year so different schools will appoint um an audiologist who comes in and they will do um something called a tympanogram so what is a tympanogram a tympanogram is almost like a pressure wave that they fire into your ear into the child's ear and that measures something called compliance of the eardrum, how flexible the, com- the eardrum is. And if the middle ear and the, is full of air and there's equal pressure on both sides, the eardrum will be nice and mobile and vibrate properly. If there's fluid in the middle ear, then that eardrum won't vibrate properly and you'll get an abnormal reading. If the eardrum is retracted also because of your station tube dysfunction, then you'll get an abnormal reading as well. Is it not something you would just see from like checking the air if there's no, liquid there? No, it's and and um, and people often say I was at the doctor last week. How could he not? No, it's often it's something very difficult to see. It's that's why we do a mechanical measurement. You might see fluid one day and no fluid the next day, um, or it might appear attracted one day and not retracted the next day. So it's good to get some numbers and a machine that's. Um, you know, quite, it, it tells you what the status is, and often between different doctors or audiologists, you'll get you, they'll report the ear to appear differently. So they do the tympanogram, and then sometimes then they do something called autoacoustic emissions, where that tells us the functioning of the hair cells inside the inside the cochlea. The problem is if there's fluid in the ears, that'll give you an abnormal result. Um, those OAEs, autoacoustic emissions will be abnormal if there's fluid in the middle ear. Another problem which is very, very simple and fixable is wax in the in the outer ear canal. Often very, very common in children to have wax in the ears. The ears are self-cleaning and the wax should come out itself. But sometimes when the wax is built up or impacted, um, you get you can't get you A you can't see the eardrum and B you can't get a proper reading of those machines. So that's also Often a reason why the children are referred and from screening, the, the, and that would block. That would be your analogy of putting your hands over the ears, the wax in the ears that you cannot hear. If you have fluid plus wax in your ears, that you know can cause double double <laughs> problems. Okay, so that's very difficult. Um, now, uh, but obviously, there's the screening and there's the times that you could see, and we haven't even gotten to what you do and how you the, what would be the actual treatment. Um, I mean, you said how you test it, yes. how you would test it as a doctor, but let me ask you. Is there anything that a parent could just realize and see something's different about my child and say, oh, you know what, I should be taking him to ENT for um, a Okay, good. So um, if the children are old enough, sometimes they'll complain about uh, actual ear pain. My ears feel sore, my ears feel blocked. Um, a second thing could be that they just um, they might just not answer you when you, call their, when you call their voice. You have to either raise your voice or say it a few times, sometimes in crowds. Or if you had Friday night supper, there's a lot of people around, they'll might space out or 
um, just because they're um, not listening and they don't realise they might not hear that that there's conversation going on around them. Um, um, I think that's, that's you know that's very it's yeah. it's it's very stressful what you're saying now because um, so many times I, I we get feedback between ourselves and I'm including myself is that if our child ignores us we automatically can assume that they're just being unrespectful or not caring yeah, or not sure. listening. And the truth is, a, there's a perfect normal explanation that we should probably check first. For sure, for sure. And and that's often when you find problems in school that the teachers are saying the child is not listening, he's not following instructions. Child's almost labelled as a naughty or a disobedient child. And sometimes it just is their ears. They're not hearing properly. They're actually not hearing the teacher. Okay. And is there anything that we can do as parents to avoid it? Before? So unfortunately, not. It's usually it's usually genetic. Um, okay. A bit of environmental influence as well and genetic factors. There's nothing to do in Voida. So that's why screening is so important. And every sh- every school should have a screening program. But if you're telling me, if you're saying genetic. Yes. So if, let's say you have three children and your first one, that's what they suffered from. So shouldn't, can you assume that you should be checking more often than your second so and third? It's, it's funny. You see in different families that all, ch- so many children can be different. I'll just use my family for an example. My eldest, my daughter, never had any ear problems whatsoever. Both my boys, which are young, have both needed... What a shame. With both, that father in Yeah, exactly. <laughs> both my boys needed grommets. Both, okay. um, both my boys needed to have grommets to treat their ears. And I know it's the same in me. I myself had four sets of grommets as a child, and my sister didn't have have any. Mm-hmm. So you, it it's often can variate in, um, in families. So you can't, unfortunately, you can't assume... That uh, because one child's fine, the other one won't, or vice versa, uh, will be fine or won't be fine. But I'm asking about checking more, or you um, say don't. So there's some, yes. Yeah, so there are, there are. If you've had, sorry, if you if a child has had is known to have ear problems, um, fluid in the ears, previous grommets, then it is um, once a year isn't enough. They need to get checked every three to six months, depending on what the problem was. Yes, okay. you do need more grommet often. Okay, so I want to ask you. I, I, you, you're familiar with Israel. I mean, when sure. we chatted, you have lived there some time. Yes. And, you know, in Israel, they have a gemach for everything. Yes. And one of the things that um, I saw when we were there, there was something called air popper. Uh, in Hebrew, yeah. air popper. Air popper. In right. Hebrew, it's yeah. air popper. Yeah. Air popper. So just for the listeners, and then yes. tell me what you think about it. Um, for the listeners, Okay, it's, well, we, it's, can, we, okay. Can, we can go into the treatment of, of, uh, of ears. Okay. And often um, in, where there's public health systems... Or um, in in uh, Israel or um, England, um, often the, the treatment is is very different. Um, when people come back here to visit their families, often during Yom Tovim or school holidays, it's not uncommon for me to do grommets on them because they struggled in Israel to uh, um, okay. to to get grommets. Or the same in in England. Okay, so. First, we'll go what we can do before grommets. So that we first, we never ever go straight to surgical management, which are, are grommets. We always try medical management. So how do we try and open the eustachian tube? So remember, we said they're anatomically in children until the age of six or seven, different six, seven, eight, even the, those tubes will grow horizontal and vertical. Vertical, they'll widen and they'll go from horizontal to vertical at an angle of about forty-five degrees, so that the fluid in the ears will run down almost a slope with with gravity. Um, so we try to get those tubes to open nicely. How can we do that? We can use nose spray, low-dose cortisone nose sprays, and that will try to decongest the opening of the eustachian tube at the back of the nose. Okay. Okay. Um, also, if there's um, coexisting problems like allergies, allergic rhinitis, 
congested nose will often cause congested eustachian tubes. We can treat that. Um, secondly, there's something called adenoids. Have you ever heard of adenoids? Go ahead. Adenoids are um, the tonsils of the nose. They're lymphoid tissue. Okay. So what is lymphoid tissue? That's those are the tissues where the bacteria and viruses are taken to to be fought. So um, there's a ring called Waldo's ring, and that's the tonsils in your mouth that everyone knows. And then there's tonsils on the back of your tongue. And then in your nose, at the back of your nose, there's something called adenoids, which are basically, I'll explain it as the tonsils of the nose. Is that what we call in Hebrew? We say polypim? Or that's something uh, else? Different, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's also on the sides of your station tubes called tubal tonsils. Now, what happens with children? They put things in their mouth and they breathe in um, through their nose. <laughs> no, now that our listeners, children and kids, other kids. Okay. Obviously, yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so what happens is that um, you get a lot of anti um, antigens, bugs, put in through the mouth and the nose, and those will go to the tonsils, the adenoids, to fight them. Those will then enlarge while they're fighting them. Though, now, when the adenoids enlarge at the back of the nose, the nose becomes can be congested. The children can start snoring, and those adenoids can actually press against the openings of the eustachian tube. And well, is that an indicator? Snoring can be an indi- snoring can be an indicator, yeah, of ear problems as well. Snore. I mean, we can do a whole different show on okay. snoring, snoring in children and and adenoid and tonsil hypertrophy because that can also affect their their hearing and their daytime um, how how awake they are in the daytime and their their quality of the sleep. So if the adenoids are big, they block the eustachian tubes on the inside and the ears don't drain properly. So that uh, adds insult to injury that you already have now fluid in your ears and that ear cannot drain properly past the adenoid. So we try and shrink those adenoids as well with some um, tablets called Monte Air Singulaire, um, which is almost like an anti-inflammatory specific for the for the airways. And we'll always try a child on nose sprays and maybe some tablets, some antihistamines to try and get their ears right, to try and get their ears to drain. If okay. if those um, depends who you go to depend uh, some. So I'm going to stop yes. you ready because I, I do find it important. Uh, is there any times that if you have a two year old, three year old, five year old yes. snoring, is that normal or that um, always indicates about well, something? Well, snoring, snoring, no. So snoring can be normal at um, that age as well. At, at that age, it can be normal, especially when they're sick. But prolonged no- snoring, when it's not you know just intermittent, sometimes if it's every night, the children are waking up from their um, snoring, they restless, they are stopping to breathe. Something called um, ap- they're having apneas. They're sometimes stopping to breathe, and hard to wake them up in the morning. They're very very tired. Then uh, th- that for sure needs to be checked out. So intermittent snoring is not to okay. worry about. But you know snoring that you can hear from the other room, or that uh, the child stops breathing. Then for sure it's important to get checked out. Okay, okay. Um, so one, so let's say if we have a child, um, a young child that, um, for some reason we feel like their balance is not great. So yes. normally we would say, okay, let's go for a physio or yes. an OT. Is there a, a, um, a period of time that you would say, you know what, first check their balance. So in I their think ears. they should always have, I think, um, often with, um, I see it often when children have, uh, develop, uh, milestone delays, they're not going from, say, crawling to standing or standing to walking, delayed walking, because of this fluid in the ears. Remember, as we discussed earlier before the show, that your ears are responsible for balance as well right. as as for hearing. And when you have fluid in your ears, 
um, it often disturbs the vestibular system, which is the balance system in your in your ears. And until you drain the fluid in the ears or treat the ears, um, they can have delayed milestones and they can have um, problems with the vestibular system. So for sure, again, before you start any of that, um, it's good to check the ears. Teachers are often, I guess, trained or aware of this, so I'll get referrals saying the teacher noticed he was tripping at school, he was falling over, um, is getting a bit clumsy, and often that will be from from fluid in the ears. Okay, so okay, so that's very and, and that because actually I I find a lot of times that when we have when we find a child that's not balancing themselves yes. very well, we would go to the physio or to somebody. But you're saying let's start, check that check first. with the ears, start with the ears, and that doesn't mean just having your GP or doctor or even ENT just look into the ears. It needs to be either seen by an audiologist. Okay. Who's a person who does uh, hearing tests and checks the status of the of the middle ears, or an ENT who does a tympanogram to see if there's fluid in the ears. As I said, again, it's often very difficult to see if there's do just you do that? fluid in the ears. Yes, I do. I do. I have the machinery, and if not, um, I will. Refer, if there are tests I don't do, I'll refer to um, various audiologists in in Johannesburg, and also depending from which schools they came from. If they referred from the audiologist there who doing the testing. I'll do my management and then refer them back to the audiologist okay. who sent them. So we started speaking about as well as when a child has to have um, their, uh, what's it called, their their ears. You, see, you do see some kind of blockage there and yeah. you need to start testing. So you said first you would do um, antihistamine or, or, or medication. Nos- na- yeah, nasal cortisone and antihistamine. Right. So we usually give a trial of medical medical therapy. That can be anything between six weeks and three months depending which doctor you speak to. Okay. Um, then Just starting before that, yes. I, when I was growing up, I, I don't know if the world has changed since then, I hope it did, um, when we felt like our ears were black or whatever, then our, my mother used to give us um, this kind of, uh, um, they used to bubble in our ears, uh, hydroperoxide. Yeah, yeah, to put in the outside, so that's fine. That's if the, if the blockage is coming from wax in the canal, then for sure that might work. You can either have the wax removed, rinsed, you can put can sweet oil or drops in. It can't harm. I don't know about hydrogen peroxide, but um, <laughs> um, but different different people put different oils in their ears, and that will um, often clean out the wax. But if the problem is behind the eardrum in the middle ear, that the fluid's there, you can't get it out with that. Okay. Okay, so so we looked at the medication that you said for a period of time, and if that doesn't work? If that doesn't work, then we do something called grommets. What is grommets? Grommets can be – is a, a grommet is a tiny, tiny little um, tube – probably um, one or two millimeters wide, and we make a a small cut in the eardrum. You suction out and drain all that fluid and put the grommet in place. And the grommet acts as a drain, that any fluid that builds up in the ear, because it can't drain via the eustachian tube in the back of the nose, it will drain out the ear. So it will drain the fluid and almost act as well as like a pressure equalizer um, on the outside and if a child needs grommets and they've got a lot of fluid in their ear whether that fluid's infectious or not infectious they often wake up as different children people um, will parents will phone me and I've seen them, my own children will tell me the next day the child's a happier child a much happier child the child's speaking pronouncing words better remember if the children can't hear you say the words they can't repeat them back to you they might mispronounce words which is um, also a very big lips. indicator yes. when you have a young child that mispronouncing words. Yes, so sometimes it's age-appropriate, um, but sometimes it's because they're actually not hearing what you're telling them properly, and children will start eating properly. I'm not saying this is a miracle cure for everything, but often um, it can be um, really for children who need it a, a, um, a big, big help. Also, you'll see them they'll start walking within a few, with a few days. 
um, they'll start talking, the vocabulary improves. It's an unbelievable thing for those who need chromatin, they get them. And you can see the, the change. And as we said before, that if you look at the, uh, um, in Hebrew, the, the shoresh, as we like to say, the, between, um, um, balanced and ozen, it's all, it's both the same thing. Ozen and meuzan is the same word, and there's a reason, because that's where our balance is, sure. and that's how we stay stable. We do have to take another short break, but when we come back, I, I want to talk about, a bit about processing. And the difference between um, if there's a blockage or a difficulty okay. and when ENT comes in and maybe we, you would need um, um, a speech therapist okay. or processing, etc. So 101.9, Chai FM, Chai here with a fascinating discussion with Dr. Din Gerson. And right before the break, I'll say, as I said before, any questions, any comments, anything you need to know, 34519 is the SMS line, 0618951019 is the WhatsApp line. Short break, and we will be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, we are back in the middle of a discussion with Dr. Tim Gerson, and we are talking about um, all we need to know from an ENT side towards educational world. And there's so much we need to know, and there's so much to affect the importance of screening, what the doctors do with the information of the screening. How we can literally change somebody's life by making sure that they're hearing properly, they're balancing, they could sleep better. It's just really the whole, we, I don't think we realize how important our whole ENT system is to our day to day life. Um, and, and really that we, we need have to make sure everything's in the right place. So right before the break, we spoke about, uh, a bit about processing. How do yes. I identify what's pro, what is more because of, uh, problem hearing is there a processing issue does the ENT do that what do we look for how do we move on with that okay so so once I've seen the patient and we've ruled out an external ear problem remember there's, there's three parts to the there's three parts to the yeah there's the outer ear the middle ear and the inner ear okay, okay. so in the ear canal um, most prom- uh, common problem is wax so once we've ruled out that there's no wax that the eardrum is uh, intact and working properly and there's no fluid behind it, then we start moving on to the middle ear. And that's the part where you have your sound waves being changed from a vibration into a uh, electrochemical wave, excuse me, through the cochlea. And the cochlea is the sensory organ of the ear. Now, unfortunately, um, some people or children are born with genetic um, cochlea um, problems or nerve problems and those will hopefully be picked up at birth it's now become um, law at least I know in, in the hospital that I work but I think it's in every um, private hospital that all children have a newborn hearing screening test and if there's a problem with the newborn hearing screening test they either go for, they go for further testing so what is the further testing that we do then and when we do in school that when they come to me okay so we need to evaluate the cochlea how well it's hearing. So we do something which is quite simple. It's called an audiogram. Audiogram plays you uh, different sounds at different frequencies, and they can map out which frequencies you're hearing and which you're not. The problem is in children that often cooperation in, in the younger children is not... Um, Again, not our listeners' children's, but yes, in general. No, 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 I'm saying in, in, all, cho- in all children. <laughs> all you children, can't, yeah, okay, all children. You can't, okay. Yes, <laughs> you can't get a two-year-old, you know, to follow instructions and press a button when, they, okay. when, they, when they're hearing a sound. So for things like that, we, we can, uh, I would refer to an audiologist 
and an audiologist would test the functions of the cochlea, the frequencies, the hair cells, and then test the nerve that goes from the cochlea to the brain stem. So they can do something, as I mentioned before, called an OAE, autoacoustic emission, and then something called an ABR. And uh, ABR is called the uh, audio brain stem reflex, and that measures the nerve pathway from the ears all the way to the brain through the brain stem. And you can tell whether there are abnormalities in the actual conduction from the ear to the brain. Children who do have uh, problems um, in this area, they often, they're very specialized audiologists and s speech therapists who deal with auditory processing disorders that they can hear the sound, but it's the actual processing of the sound which is the, is the problem. And that's not usually dealt with by, uh, by an ENT, that's dealt with an audiologist. But it would, so the process would be that you, there would be a screening test in school. They go to, if there's a problem, they go to the ENT. The ENT will usually sort out the conductive problem, which is the, either the wax in the canal or whatever's in the canal, the eardrum, the middle ear. And then for the assessment of, of processing and function of the cochlea and the auditory nerve, will be done by an audiologist. Okay. But it all starts with the screening. It all starts with the screening at the end of the day. Yes. And, and then the audiologist would do the actual treatment or assess and then send over to a speech therapist? Or well, it depends. A lot of audiologists are both, and it depends um, what the problem is. Some will be treated by audiologists um, by themselves, or some will be a mixture of audiology and uh, speech and speech therapy. So we could t touch on, on both of them. I, I want earlier in the program, one of the things we discussed, and we said we get to it later, is the air popper. Okay, so the air popper. So, um, so there've been a lot of inventions um, to try and help unblocking the eustachian tube. To recap, children have horizontal, short, poorly functioning eustachian tubes. So this uh, air popper is a machine that you put in the nose, and it either vibrates or admit, uh, um, emits some air to try and force the eustachian tube open. And when you force the eustachian tube open, the fluid from the middle ear, in theory, should drain into the nasopharynx. It's not widely used in South Africa. Is it available in South Africa? I, don't, I haven't seen one here. I've only seen it when I lived in Israel. And I looked at then when I saw it, I looked at the clinical trials. There's not. It's quite an, an old product and... Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's been enough clinical trials to evaluate whether whether it uh, works or, or not. But some parents I've heard saying that it just pushes the infection back from your nose or your throat into the, into the into the ear. Um, so I don't have much experience with it. So you but don't I highly know, recommend it. I don't. But it's the the problem with it is it is the eustachian tube, and until you wait till the child outgrows it, usually I said between the ages of five and eight or five and seven, that is, you know, one of the proposed uh, solutions in Israel. And the grommets are just a temporary solution to let the fluid out while we wait for the eustachian tube to widen and to grow more vertically. But some people, unfortunately, will have eustachian tube problems throughout their life. I did grommets on an 81-year-old lady um, the other day, and she's had, this was probably the 10th or 11th set that she had throughout her life. Um, wow. And that was actually something I was about to ask you because uh, sometimes, and this is a question I get from time to time from listeners and say, wow, I heard this show today. It was uh, Usually it's like three weeks ago. I heard the show three weeks ago, and it was amazing, but 
uh, the doctor said that the, the real time to work on is between the ages of five and eight or nine or whatever it is. My son's 15 and I had never done anything. It's the first time I'm here. Is there anything to do or it probably sort itself out already? Yeah, sure. So some people completely get missed or lost in the system and um, for whatever reason don't have ear tests. It's never too late. Often have um, teenagers um, or adults presenting and um, fluid in the ears might not be the problem at this age. It might be or might not be, but often post-viral infection, post the use of certain medicines, um, there are many, many things that can cause hearing loss. So um, if they are late in that stage, um, whether they're teenagers or young adults, it's never too late um, to have a screening. It's called a screening autogram. It literally takes 10 minutes. And often people will um, be sent when they're much older, in their 30s and 40s, that they have an audiogram at work as part of an occupational health screening, especially if they're worried about uh, noise damage in, in the workplace um, or from noise exposure. They will for sure send... Um, them at that age, and they might have had a hearing problem since they were young, but they only picked it up now because it's the first time that they've had. So, if there's any suspicion tests. at any age, at any time, it's never too late and go. It's never too late. Often, best first to go to an audiologist before to a doctor or an ENT. The audiologist will do a screening audiogram, test your pressures, or do a tympanogram, and then they will send uh, refer appropriately to an uh, to an ENT. Hopefully, if there if there is a problem. Um, as I said, the eustachian tubes can be dysfunctional. Some people have dysfunctional eustachian tubes their whole lives. Um, and if we can't fix that with medication, there are certain surgical procedures. One is called balloon dilatation that I do. It's basically where you put a balloon through the nose into the eustachian tube. It's a tiny balloon, a few millimeters big, and you inflate it to two bars of pressure, two kilopascals of pressure for two minutes, and it stretches the, the eustachian tube. And then, it sounds painful. Uh, they're sleeping. It's done under oh, anesthetic. Okay. Okay. And then you have afterwards something like the air popper to blow out the nose uh, to keep the tube open. But it's a balloon that you blow, not a machine that you use. Okay. So so then there is um, what to do. Okay. Well, um, so as I said, we do have to take another quick, quick break. And then I think we're going to sum up and see okay. what we went through and end off the show. 101.9 FM will be right back. Hi FM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 FM we are back and in a fascinating discussion with Dr. Dingerson we went through a lot regarding ear screening regarding what we need to do to help our kids and support them make sure that we're all in good shape and before we get to the conclusion that um, that um, we are in any uh, academic difficulty or learning disability, we got to check the ears and see that things are okay. Um, just, I have to say that the screening process, which uh, normally I would think would sound very scary, and sometimes when you get the message from the school that something's not right, uh, you say, oi, what's going to be? It, you kind of calmed me down, and I think that's the message we came through um, from Dr. Gerson is very important be very um make sure to get your screening properly make sure to get to, to go with the results to oral um audiologist yes, or an sure, emt make, yes if the, if the school offers a screening program great if they don't go to an audiologist or get referred to an emt okay so since the best emt i know is sitting right in front of me how do people get a hold of you so you can just google me either dr dean gerson g-e-r-s-u-n O one one four eight five zero zero seven zero O one one four four zero six three five seven, 
or info at drdnent.co.za. Okay, and your clinic's here by Linksville. Latin Lake Linksville Hospital, Exactly. Dr. Dean Gerson, thank you so much for being with us. I think that was very important and gave us a lot. And looking forward for our next chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Okay, good afternoon. Okay, we do have to end off. And I just got to share with you one quick thing. Um, Last couple of days, it's been going around uh, all over social media and everywhere, a massive music clip that was made by um, Daniel Kornfeld and his father, a young boy and a father who had to take a very strong journey on their own way. Um, I contacted Daniel and I said, I need to have you and your father on the show. Uh, since he was right now apparently in New York, the only answer, we will only have him on the show next week. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play the beginning of the song. It's about an unbelievable journey that father and son from a child growing at home, getting troubles, taking his own path, and coming back to build a relationship. Fascinating discussion. We'll have to wait for next week. In the meantime, 101.9. Thank you to Dr. Gerson. Thank you for being with us. Just listen and enjoy this song as long as we can.